Recorded during the plague year of 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each and every week we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli, uh, sitting here in the always exciting Orange County, California. Yes. It never ends. Downey, where they built the, uh, well, Downey's one of the cities in, in Orange County where they built the Apollo uh, command module and the space shuttle. So, I know that. Space town. So we're dealing with a space age movie. Uh, and at the time they were, at the time they released this, this is when Apollo 13 was going on. So a very space age thing. Um, but most most space age uh, movies don't have a, a guy with a meat cleaver that's wearing a bed sheet uh, falling down and spitting falling out Falling down and then uh, groaning unconvincingly. Yeah, I don't know. He just he looked like he was really having the dry dry heaves pretty bad. Um, gosh, I just, <laughs> I just keep picturing uh, Robert Wise uh, telling George here, uh, "Can you make it more more phlegmy? Can you get? I need a little bit more." George, uh, grind your forehead into the earth, please. <laughs> yes. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's, I, I know the gravel's painful, but um, what a dusty what a dusty little town, and he's doing it barefoot too. Those big dirty feet. Ugh. Yeah, watch out for the scorpions. Yeah, yeah, and rattlers and all kinds of and cactus. Although it doesn't even look like cactus would grow there. That place is a desert for sure. Mm. Um, I do like the, I do like the cut from his. They were, you know, he's he's moaning and mumbling on the ground, and we get that endless shot of the uh, the town pulling away in the distance. Yeah, yeah, uh, and still with all the dead bodies and. Uh, uh, the buzzards, the dead buzzards. Um, and they right. had it, yeah. You got the full screen close up of Arthur Hill, right? Uh, Arthur Hiller. Arthur Hill, yeah. Arthur, Arthur Hill go, uh, going in there. And then, uh, oh, what's his face? I see. I should I should always have a, a cast list in front of me when I'm quoting these things, but uh, uh, being able to see uh, Major Mancheck there. Um, see the cigar man? He's, yeah, he's, he's the. Um, now I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna forget his I've forgotten his name, but the guy that plays yeah the guy in the uh, the the guy in the uh, uh, in the scoop scoop headquarters the uh, the satellite control room mm-hmm. who's yelling he's yelling at Arthur Hill saying that it's a uh, right. you know an open Only line. Only the president can do that. Yeah. 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 And he's this guy's always he's always playing the cop and uh, right and, yes you know and I mean it's 1970 but. Nobody in the Air Force has a hair hair that long, <laughs> especially some guy who's in his fifties, hmm. who's a, a colonel. Um, they all got a little bit too long hair, but you know it's nineteen seventy, so these nineteen seventy, and it was a half day on the film. And... Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to cut my hair. You, yeah, you no. want me or you don't? Yeah, it's, who, who do I get? You know, it's, you're going to have to call. Whit Bissell wants too much money, and uh, you know they'll have to go with this guy. Um, I'm assuming, you know, ever since we were kind of fl- uh, f- flattened by that uh, that shotgun house that was being done in a set, I'm assuming this is real. This is, I can't imagine them building building up a uh, a set just to do, you know, motion in the background and things like that with a miniature. But they might have. Um, I just, I just get the feeling it was it was easier just to film inside the helicopter they they had rented for two yes. days and repainted. Yeah, probably. Um, and uh, uh, good old George Mitchell on the on the floor of the helicopter is doing a good job not moving. Um, hmm. 
I'm assuming at this point, Mr. Soto has left the building and that's a rubber, uh, a rubber doll that uh, James Olsen is uh, snuggling. Um, well, only, only, uh, Robert Soto knows. We'll have to yeah. find out. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, you can have him back now. All the kid <laughs> did was cry. <laughs> Good job. Here's your, here's your 4250. Right, exactly. St- standard sag feed. Yeah. Uh, um, so much co- so much coverage I just i mean this is like a five second scene and they did a scene where they get the master shot in the helicopter where they're mm-hmm. showing where every, everybody's on board the helicopter they cut back uh and then they cut into a close-up of arthur hill uh mm-hmm. yelling about why he needs to nuke the town um but just uh just gorgeous stuff and just just as he's saying that the sunlight hits his face so that you know cinematographer's dream of getting all these nice these nice clear shots. Yeah, they probably who knows shot it towards the end of the day, you know. Yeah, yeah, just waiting for waiting for oh, that yeah, golden that's hour. That's great. So, and then we uh, we do a smash cut. Well, not a smash cut, but a sudden jolting cut to that conference room in the basement of the White House, the Situation Room. Yeah. And uh, again, making giving you that documentary feel by throwing the uh, the crawl across the bottom that makes you feel like you're like you really need to know what time of day it is. It's oh, it's two forty. That means you know. He's uh, 20 minutes from uh, watching The Price is Right or something. Um, and uh, again, we get a whole bunch of we get a whole bunch of actors that are on the Universal payroll. Uh, Walter Brook there on the left, who uh, he was currently at the time he was doing Days of Our Lives and mm. uh, another show called Bright Promise. He was actually on two different soap operas at the same time. But you know he had he had room to fit it in for a couple of scenes, so he, they dropped him in on here. Uh, the fellow that's playing uh, Doctor Roberts, uh, Doctor Robertson, with the great name of Kermit Murdoch, <laughs> uh, known to Star Trek fans as one of the guys that was uh, he was in the episode All Our Yesterdays, where he played like a Salem witch trial uh, judge and uh, kind of a pompous guy. He didn't have to wear his glasses. I do love his uh, <laughs> his designer outfit. He's got this Humpty Dumpty uh, pants line that starts at like this the bottom of his sternum. His his pants go up to the the base yes, of his ribcage. Yes! Oh my cage. God! Yes! Wow! Look at that! <laughs> and the tie the tie is mistied. It's like you know even yeah. even length tied, and he doesn't have it tucked. He doesn't have it tucked into that little band on the front of your tie. And I like, love the guy smoking the disgusting cigar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's the man in charge. And, and, and there's somebody else sitting there with a cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's back in the day. And, yeah, you know, I remember went, that yeah. in the '80s, people could smoke anywhere. Gosh, into the '90s, even it's just like you know, you. And I hated it. Uh, they all they all light up, and it's interesting to see what uh, you know. This is the White House Situation Room, so the only thing that they were interested in back then was uh, Turkey. You know, anything going on in Turkey, and of course, uh, the big map on the left hand side of the room is Vietnam. So it's all you know, current events, basically it's, they're showing you, um, the Middle East or in their, their part of the part of the Middle East they were worried about was, uh, Egypt and Israel and, right. uh, and Vietnam being the only, you know, the only matters of concern. And then they had a world map if you really had to go look up something, but this thing has 1970 all over it. Um, great, it, great, again, great production design. This is, you know, the, the situation room of the white house probably didn't look like that back in 1970, but it should have, this is, you know, this is how you expect what they're, you know, they're, the smartest guys in the the smartest guys in the room are going to be 
are going to be meeting in a room like this with maps where they can point at things. And then in the next room over, they have all those uh, teletype machines getting the latest information. And what is that, that, that piece of gear that the, the guy in the brown shirt just you know pulls over? Is that a teletype? No, it's just a it's a Royal typewriter. It's a Royal Electric type. Oh, not a Royal Electric. It's a Royal uh, Manual typewriter. He's just gonna he's gonna type up a briefing letter. Is what he's talking about in the uh, yeah, in the script. Well, he type it up. I'll put a stamp on it, and I will mail it to the White House. Yeah, and he, he's he's so high up he doesn't have to wear a tie. That's yeah, that's the amazing thing. Um, one of the, a little thing a little thing about production that I was always impressed by when I go on. Uh, I, I I've been on sets for some medical shows and some cop shows. And I'm always impressed by the the clocks. I never knew this about clocks until I was on. There was a there was a show being filmed at Silver Cup Studios in Astoria. Uh, it was a it was a show called Wonderland. It was about a mental hospital, and uh, it was on ABC. And they had all these clocks, and they had their their script supervisor had to make sure that they had continuity. So if something was happening at five o'clock. All the clocks would have to be set to five o'clock, and they mm-hmm. have a, a they have this uh, this guy go around with a with a cart like a like a like lunch you know, an AV cart, and they push they push all these clocks, and they'd hang all the clocks up in the room to show that it was five o'clock, and they all worked. But and I said, well, how do they, you know, how do they maintain continuity if they're going you know if they film and then they they do a reverse shot? And he said, oh no, the only thing that works on it is the second hand. I was like. Ah, they they disable the hour hand and the minute hand, and they just they set the clock, but the the motor won't move the hour or minute. It'll only mm. show the second because people will pick up on a screen that the, the second hand's going around, but they won't notice that the clocks aren't changing. Mm. And uh, yeah, that that was one of those gobsmacking. You know, it's like something you'd never think about unless you were in the business, and that's what they do. So I'm I'm just looking at all these clocks in the in the next room over. They're all set at two forty, like it's in the little crawl. But uh, those clocks will never, you know, they'll be two forty until somebody decides that it's a different time of day. Hmm. That's amazing. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. Well, I, uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy being on sets. It's interesting seeing how, like, things are not what they, you know, they, like, in this set, for example, uh, if you look at the Situation Room, the set in the background, uh, and the set in the foreground have ceilings, so it's really hard to shoot and light. Um, the lights that are hanging above above there mm-hmm. are um, you know very very bright. So uh, after you know after the scene finishes shooting, they'll turn it, they'll turn it off, and that place is just as dark as a cave. Um, but uh, any kind of and Robert Wise, of course, Robert Wise worked on uh, on Citizen Kane, so he was um, well aware of how to how to shoot with ceilings because Citizen Kane is famous for for shooting with with. Uh, uh, ceilings in it. Uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of the ceilings in this in shows like this is instead of using a, um, a an ins- insulation on the on the ceiling, the ceilings made out of cloth, and they can aim shotgun microphones through the cloth at the people talking below, so they don't have to mic them, or have to worry about boom mics in the shot. The, the they just pick up the sound uh, directly overhead through the cloth ceiling. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if that's that's how they did it in this movie. They might have. I mean, they, they might have just as easily done this with lavaliers that were hidden on the on the people talking, but uh, it's just just another way of it. things are not what they seem. He made some huge movies, Robert Wise: The Sand oh. Pebbles, Sound yep. of Music, The Haunting, West Side, West Side Story. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yes, I remember um, seeing that. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know he had he had an amazing talent. I mean. 
the idea that you can you can be chameleon-like in making these major blockbuster hits and doing everything from musicals to science fiction movies. Mm. Um, he was, you know, astonishing. Just, just a really great and obviously easy to work for. Um, mm-hmm. He, you know, you don't get hired if you're. I mean, you you can't get hired if you're trouble, but you get you get a lot more jobs if you're a, you get stuff done in time and under budget, and you get the actors to do what you want them to do. Um, but just a, you know, it's his. It really, he knew, it's nice seeing somebody who knows what they're doing and knows oh, yeah. how, to, how to work a, a crew like this. Mm. And uh, and all these guys, you know, all these guys are like TV actors, so they finally get a, a shot in a movie. <laughs> it's like, with hey, a I'll huge be in director movie. like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll be working with the guy that did uh, Sound of Music, you know. Okay. Um, wow, it screams 70s, though. This whole, I mean, everything from the chairs to those those old touch-tone phones, the idea of having phones on <laughs> <laughs> you know, they didn't. Nobody well, had a cell phone. It was like you either reach them or you didn't. from the you know fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. Offices were kind of dingy and dungy. You know, yeah. I remember when I was at Cinemax, we spent a year on a floor in the Grace Building that was just it was full of of old office furniture from like the seventies. You know, just really yeah. ugly stuff. Yeah, and and I mean, and that's. That's the thing about this. I mean, the White House, you know, you think, oh, the White House is going to be fancy. But if you've ever been in any kind of government office, they got whatever leftovers were, you know, the last time that anybody had money in the budget and they bought, you know, it could have been from like World War II or Korea or something like that. They'd have these hard metal desks and things. This is uh, nicely furnished. Mm. <coughs> oh, yeah. So so the thing we were going to mention was the the wildfire key. Oh yeah, yeah. They're talking about they're talking about Project Wildfire here and ordering up a seven twelve, which is they're first they want to they want to nuke. What they're saying is the they want to clear out they want to clear out the uh, contagion in Piedmont, which involves exploding a nuclear bomb. But there's another nuclear bomb in this uh, in this scene uh, in this movie, and uh, you actually have personal contact with that uh, uh, with that that particular thing that's coming up the key that uh, that's that's involved with uh with the bomb that's located at wildfire well i went to this uh kind of uh up upscale as they say uh school in manhattan when i lived there called trinity and i just remember it had to be 1971 72 and uh this film had come out and i look over and the kid sitting next to me had one of those keys wow so I don't know if it was really. I just assumed his father knew somebody who worked on the film. Who knows? But uh, that's my little connection to this film. Well, but if he still how, has it, it's about a. It's about the size of a dollar bill, right? I mean, it's about that. Yeah, that long, about yeah. six minutes. Six yeah. yeah, I'm that's, sure uh, it's on the cover of the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, if if it hasn't hit heritage auctions yet, um, it's. I wonder how they must have made a lot of them. I would think that 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 looks like the perfect uh, uh, tchotchke to give out to the cast at the cast party. Well, plus usually they make multiples of those kind of things because they get yeah. damaged or broken or, or stolen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the last last day of shooting is oh, where did that go? Um, but uh, yeah, they're they're available as replicas. I've seen uh, yes. I've seen a couple on uh, Etsy. Um. Uh, wow, and for for a, like, one can be yours for only seventy three dollars. Wow, 
Maybe I could try and call that kid up. Yeah, yeah, I'll, you should. I'll find give you seventy-five whether... right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow, seventy. Wow, I'm. I may go in. I don't know what the what the copyright is on that thing, but for aluminum machined aluminum replica of the Wildfire Underground Biohazard Facility self-destruct keys. Oh, but you do get two. You get the red one and the and you know the arming one, the, the clear mm -hmm. aluminum one. Okay, well, uh, that's not too bad. No, no. You can have it shipped to you in one or two business days. Uh, but, you know, I need it in five minutes or we're all dead now. Um, <laughs> wow. Exactly. Oh, my God. You know, I kind of want one, but then if I had it, I don't know what I'd do with it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's like we went to Alcatraz, and uh, yeah. uh, I bought a replica cell key. Ah. And as soon as I got it home, I'm like, Okay, what do I do with this? So it's just like sitting on a counter. <laughs> well, you put on your you put it on your keychain. That's what, yeah. It's nice to have. Uh, no, I think I'd want. I, you know what? I think mm -hmm. uh, I think I'd want it in a box, on, maybe on top of my uh, fireplace, and just have in case of contamination breach or in case of containment breach break glass. Wow. Yeah, that just, would be cool. Yeah. Uh, I got to think about that. I'm I'm not. I like it, but I don't seventy three dollars like it. Right. So anyway, well, it's, a, it's an interesting way, way to end the week. But, Mark, thanks for being on the show. You're always a great guest and a great co-host, by the way. If people have not listened to our previous uh, outing in the Airport Minute, uh, you've got to go see the airportminute.com. We uh, we talked for an ungodly amount. It was 109 episodes. My God. It was <laughs> slow. No but wonder was... I changed my name and... It was moved down to Orange County. <laughs> it was fun. Hey, we, we talked to John Finlater. Nobody, yes, no, yes, yes. Nobody's ever talked to John Finlater about airport since us, so we yeah. did a good job. So uh, thanks again, Mr. Finlater, for being on the show. And thanks for Jacqueline Bessay for leaving us that message about uh, how she couldn't be on the show. Uh, turn what around. A, what a girl. Yeah, what a gal. Um, but we got, you know, we got, we mission accomplished with airport minute and it was a, it was a big success and a lot and launched me into the world of podcasting and launched you out of, the <laughs> world of, right out of it. Exactly. <laughs> you were an escape velocity. I understand. Uh, someday, someday we'll do something. We again. will for sure. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. Wow. Well, uh, for folks who want to talk about their happy memories of, uh, of keys that people were waving at them in a, in grade school, I would love to hear about that on. Uh, social media always available at Andromeda Minute on uh, Twitter or on Project Wildfire at Facebook. It's a lot of fun. Come come out and talk with us. Uh, share your personal stories. Uh, but we will pick this up next week and find out what the situation is in the Situation Room. In the meantime, please uh, maintain your distance, wash your hands, and uh, we'll all get through this together. And we'll see you here next time on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here. <laughs>